This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Hey, monkeys. Welcome. It's Snark Monkey number 43 with Sarah Tiana. Another return appearance, actually, on the Snark Monkey podcast. Although last time Sarah was here, she uh, shared the mic This time it's all her for a full hour. Great conversation. And uh, one of the reasons I brought Sarah back, other than that she's just delightful and funny, and she said yes, is because she had a big year last year. Uh, Maybe a breakthrough year, if not the precursor to a truly breakthrough year. But yeah, she's been working at doing stand-up comedy for years now, just with great tenacity, doing what it takes, going up on bad stages in crappy rooms and telling jokes and just working and honing and getting better and better. I saw Sarah years ago when she did kind of this showcase that I was recording for a radio feature. It was all very new, young hopefuls, essentially. Uh, And Sarah really stood out, even though she had only been doing it for a short time, because she had immediately a point of view and there was good material going on and she was very sure of herself on stage and now years later as she talks about how she's progressed I can see why because this woman has well you'll find out no fear she just takes life on works really really hard at it and again this is another one of those stories as I found on the snark monkey that tenacity and stick-to-itiveness a made-up word that I hate and I can't believe I just used. Anyway, it pays off down the line, and it's paying off for her. You've seen Sarah probably on At Midnight several times. She had a, a really cool gig on a CMT show, writing and performing. She has been part of the Celebrity Roasts on Comedy Central, doing a, a red carpet for, I think it was the Bieber Roast. We talk about that here. Uh, and lots of other cool stuff. And she's always working here in Southern California. She is going up at every freaking club that will say yes to her. She is just working it constantly and travels around the country. And we get a little of her background from Georgia and on and on. Why don't you listen to the podcast instead of me rambling on? I mean, why should I tell you the whole story when we've got her telling it coming out of her own freaking mouth? All right then, Larry, stop yelling at us and go ahead and roll it. All right, I will. Wow, somebody got up on the wrong side of something. Let's just do it. Here we go. (laughs) I have no idea what that was. I'm pretty sure I might cut that out unless I'm just too lazy. Uh, Here we go. Snark Monkey number 43. Enjoy. This is Sarah Tiana. Uh-uh. No? No. I feel like yelling covers up for the fact that you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> but but you have yelled at people, right? Yeah. Of course, if I get angry, I will raise my voice, but I don't really yell. No? No. 
you've got, I think, what I grew up with, which I was around that kind of Texas thing, which is it's always intensity. It's rarely about screaming at anybody. Yeah, yeah. Or 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 the you know a look or a. A passive aggressive. Yeah, for sure, passive aggressive. And then my parents, you know, if they were ever mad at me, they were very quiet. They didn't talk to me, and that was like the worst. Oh, they just shut yeah. down on you. Yeah, they just ignored me. So, have like, you picked up any of that? Um, I'm I'm a little bit more um, willing to talk about things. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I don't let it marinate. Well, we either it's that thing where we either become our parents or we work very hard to be the exact opposite. Yeah, of them. That's exactly. <laughs> and right. I recognize elements yeah. of both in that. Right. So much. So you talk about it. We talked about it before. Welcome back, by the way. Oh, uh, we're recording. Yeah, we've been oh, recording amazing. the whole damn time. <laughs> no, yeah. well, now, see, there you're loud. I there like you that. Go, your yeah. laugh mm-hmm. is loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're from Calhoun, Georgia, which has been part of your act since I first heard you, and you yeah. still do it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, which is why I'm wearing a Waffle House hat. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. That was actually a Christmas present from It somebody. was, from my friend who's a WWE wrestler. So he's always on the road, eating at Waffle House, trying to make me jealous. And he showed me like something, like I guess like in November, he took a picture of something that was like some catalog that they were offering for the holidays. And I was like, oh, my God, I wish I had that stuff. And then, lo and behold, it shows up on my door. And, like, I have a sweatshirt, too. So I have a Waffle House sweatshirt oh and a hat. It's yeah. a, you're a girl of simple needs, I yeah. tell you. Well, I used to have the mug. I stole one from one of the, one of the restaurants. Because yeah. Yeah. they're awesome. They're solid. They're really yeah. thick. And yeah. they're the perfect size. And they're they say Waffle House. They're great for smashing over somebody's head. <laughs> no. Which, by the way, if you've been in a Waffle House at any time of night, like between 2 to 7 a.m., mm-hmm. mm-hmm. somebody's getting in a fight. Yeah, that's the only weapon they have. They don't have locks on the door, so I guess they need some sort of weapon. <laughs> but, like, yeah, actually, I'm surprised the wrestler hasn't use that as a weapon in his act but no um yeah i but then someone stole that from me which is you know so i've tried to buy them from there and they won't let you buy them they only have ones at christmas oh really yeah well you've got a camo waffle house hat and maybe (laughs) i can get you to take a picture with me so people can look at it uh (laughs) i love that you have a sentence that actually involved waffle house and a WW, a friend of mine, <laughs> WWE wrestler. I know, there's nothing more redneck than that sentence that I just said. <laughs> that's pretty, that's My pretty much My WWE wrestler friend sent me a Waffle House hat. <laughs> Boy, you can take the girl out of Georgia. Yeah. How long? You've been here now. 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you certainly haven't seemed to, like, made an attempt grown to drop up? the Georgia. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not grown up. <laughs> Well, I would never yeah. Accuse you, of you know that. what? I I think for a long time I always did, and I'm, what I'm trying to get better at now is not mimicking the person that I'm talking to, because be, I grew up. That sounds better. I okay. grew up um, like my parents are not from Georgia, but oh, right, right. So because I was born in Northern California and we moved to Georgia when I was five, so my parents at home did not have that accent and so but when i went to school everybody did and i never wanted to stand and of course you stand out immediately and then you know people think you're weird and like as a kid you just don't want to be weird so what i learned to do is just talk like whoever i was talking to and it also helped me Uh like um 
because I was failing a lot of spelling tests and stuff because I spelled everything phonetically, you know? Like they'd be like, line hearted. And I'm like, okay, L I N E, you know? Makes perfect uh, sense. Makes to perfect me. sense. And, uh, so yeah, so I became, so sometimes people will say, well, you don't have a Southern accent. I'm like, well, apparently that's probably because you don't. <laughs> and, and then I just try to correct myself. And then, and that's why people say, oh, you just ham up your accent on stage. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. I, I, I can't really be conscious of that because I'm so focused on, I don't know how I could be conscious of that and my material. But what, I, what I'm doing is I'm not talking to anybody. Right. I'm only, ta- I'm only talking to myself basically in my head. That's interesting because the material itself lends itself to maybe you just, just giving it a little extra, but you've got it. I mean, it's definitely in there. But, yeah. Oh no, it's in there, and like, and, and it, the it, fact it, that you mimic people. If you've been here fifteen years, the fact that you haven't affected some sort of kind of more just generic way of speech, or even a yeah. if there is a Southern California thing, I don't know that it's not like you're going to talk like a surfer dude or anything. No, and I guess it's like what the great thing about living here is that there's so many people from here that are from everywhere. Yeah, uh, so, so you, hear you end up yeah hearing accents from all over the country, the world, and so um, it's better to like for me. I I think I just like buckled down like a few years ago, and I was like, why are you trying? Like you embrace it in your stand up, but you don't really embrace it in your day to day life. So I just kind of like loosen the reins a little bit, and now yeah. like I use the word ain't, you know, <laughs> like stuff like stuff that I had always like told myself like don't do this, don't do this, you right. know, and like, and it was the one thing that I excelled at when I was in school, like having like proper grammar because my parents did, and that's just not something that people in the South grow up having. So everybody always hated me because I always scored really good on those parts. Or we had this game in our English class where like if you corrected someone's English you got points which led to a very which made me go okay i'm gonna beat i'm gonna win like because yeah. i'm so competitive which is why i like sports so but yeah, that you, just made me like the most annoying person in the course. whole school yeah, yeah. you yeah. must have been hated for that so teachers hated. loved you yes yes of every course. other student <laughs> thought you were an arrogant obnoxious bitch yes absolutely wow. it was awful so now i'm like oh you don't have to be that perfect student anymore you don't have to be like a perfect human or a person you know and like lots of therapy has taught me that too but <laughs> um but yeah so i think so now i'm like I, i'm a little bit more relaxed and yeah. i think that that's just me kind of settling into who i really am and where i'm from and where i grew up that's interesting because i've been thinking about that a lot too because of being in radio for so long. I mean, I grew up in Texas, and yeah. people are always asking me, where's your Texas accent? Right. But I kind of evolved into the radio world pretty quickly mm-hmm. at, when I was really young. So I was around guys who weren't necessarily from Texas right. and doing radio, and they were also trying to sound a specific way, but there were guys from, like, Arizona and the Midwest. And so, yeah. and I heard... I was bas- just basically trying to affect what they sounded like on the radio and then that just kind of became my normal speech Mm -hmm. but i like a lot of people say you know you go back home i i go back home and the y'alls start popping out and the g's i'm dropping all the g's off everything i'm fixing i'm fixing to do something yeah (laughs) i mean i have like just a like a i would say like a, a very minute accent you know it's subtle but like my sister because when we moved to georgia she was two so oh my god yeah. she's real bad see i get i became hyper aware of my entire family yeah. once i started doing radio it's mm-hmm. like oh my god y'all yeah. y'all are y'all, y'all are these hicks, hicks. <laughs> yeah 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 i like but so if i talk to my sister on the phone it's like dueling banjos you know <laughs> my sister still says things like thanksgiving like oh, with a no. G in it you know and thanksgiving. i'm like thanksgiving <laughs> oh my goodness you you mentioned one of the great jokes and i 
I don't know if you still do it or not when you introduce yourself. So I guess it depends on where you're doing your act. But uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned Calhoun, Georgia. That's nobody, the first thing I always say. Yeah, nobody knows where the hell it uh-uh. is. And you mentioned the is it the Nike outlet? We have a Nike outlet. Yeah, I like so you probably you've probably heard of it. We have a Nike outlet. <laughs> so I actually because I wasn't even really sure where Calhoun is. It's actually northern Georgia. Yeah, it's right near the border of whatever that is. Tennessee. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Uh, good geography. I'm good at there geography. There you go. You're so good at it. I am. I'm glad you're in radio. I could recognize it if I was looking at the full map. I just knew it was up toward yeah. the top. We're shot. between Atlanta and Chattanooga, Tennessee, basically. And now my, my sister lives up towards Chattanooga now in Ringgold, and my parents live on the Tennessee side uh, in Ottawa. <laughs> right. I know. It's all. Well, you know. Sounds like a foreign language. Do you know the motto of, uh, of Calhoun? Uh, it's probably eat Cracker Barrel till we die. No, I'm not sure. No, no, that may have been the newly adopted one. <laughs> yeah. But it was originally Land of the Cherokee. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. We have a lot of... It's all... We have a Cherokee battlefield there. It's all Native American Cherokee names. National Fair was the fairgrounds, yeah. and um, Miss Cherokee Capital Fair was, you know, <laughs> the, the pageants that we... Yeah, so how much? How much deep respect for the uh, Native Americans do the people of Calhoun show every year? Uh, uh, <laughs> are there any Native Americans? I haven't really. I can remember though going to um, the um, like the burial grounds and stuff, uh-huh. and like they they had like a little museum out there. I'm, I, it's probably nicer now, but like you could see like all the arrowhead, and like I remember finding arrowheads in the woods when oh, we were wow. growing up. Yeah, so oh, it was cool. definitely like. You know, pure Cherokee country back then. Well, your your uh, intro to Calhoun when you do your act ma- made me look it up on Wikipedia, and this is, and I'm not making this up. This is at least under arts and culture. It has museums and other points of interest. <laughs> oh, great! And I'll go through all. F- there oh, are five of them. No, I can't believe that. Okay, and wow. There are five. Oh man, all right. And I want to know if you've experienced any okay. of them. The New Achota Historic Site, the first Cherokee capital. Yes, okay. been there. New Achota is actually that museum I was talking about with the arrowheads. All right. Okay, yeah. good. That's what I thought. All right, the Roland Hayes Museum at the Harris Arts Center. Oh, I've been to the Harris Art Center. I don't know if I've been to the museum. Do you know Roland, who Roland Hayes, Hayes is? must be an artist because okay. they have um, a bunch of art hanging in there. But uh, I have no idea. The Oakley Gordon County Historical Society. <laughs> no. That sounds like a big draw. <laughs> yeah, it's probably just a bunch of plates. <laughs> this actually sounds the cool. The Mercer Air Museum. Oh uh, yeah, the Air yeah. Museum is oh. down. Yeah, on fifty five. Yeah, that's like on fifty three. Yeah, that's we have like a tiny little airport, and there's all these like old planes there. All right. And number five uh, of of the fifth of five Nike outlet under uh, it says premium outlets of Calhoun, no, Georgia. Yes, <laughs> yes, he told you under it's one of the top five <laughs> historical sites, uh, places to visit. I mean, and like half of the stores are closed. Like it's like not oh, even you know. No. I mean, they're in and out and going in there. But I like going there because uh, I mean, every time I go back to Georgia, I just buy a bunch of team merchandise. You know that yeah. I can't get here. So even when I'm in the Atlanta airport, I'm always looking in the shops for like Georgia gear, Falcons gear, Braves gear. You know, because I can't find it out here. You're a big sportsy gal, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, time. but is it all Georgia teams? You haven't? Uh, can you well, get on like board with LA the Rams? Kings, um, oh, you, hockey yeah, fan? Because there's no big. Like yeah, we major. had the Thrashers, but they went to Winnipeg, and right. then, uh, but it just wasn't a, anything I cared about. But then, yeah, I love the the Kings, big Kings fan, and uh, um, I guess like basketball, like I like the Hawks, but I wasn't. I mean, I grew up with Dominique Wilkins, yeah. and then once he quit playing, like I just really wasn't interested yeah. in the team anymore. But um, it's football. It's kind of like in Texas, Georgia's just football. I mean, it just it's is. such a big football yeah. town, and. Uh, that's why I mean, even baseball is hard to get. You know, we always got 
killed for not having enough people at the baseball games. But it's like, <laughs> hey, you only have money to go to a few events a year. You really right. got to pick and choose. And and ultimately, like, I mean, the first few years that the Braves made it to the World Series is packed. But then, I mean, the first few years of the playoffs. But then they just kept going every year and losing. And like that just makes you go like, well, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> You're just so devastated. It's just yeah. as hard. Like people go, "Oh, you had that amazing run, 13 years in a row," and I'm like, yeah, but "We only went to one World Series, right? I know we went to two, and we we only won one. one, one. So it's very hard. Yeah, you know. It's and like, so many I'd rather people, just not even be in the discussion. And so many people know about the Braves because they became like America's team for a while because they had such a run, and they were on TBS, TBS. all the time. So yeah, everybody yeah. had access to them the before cable. Yes, the superstation. Yeah, that's why people are big Cubs fans and. Right. Braves fans because of WGN. And, right. Yeah, so like I remember sitting, like we would come home and we would watch TBS all night because we'd come home and it was like Andy Griffith and Sanford and Son was on and like the Flintstones and he had, Ted Turner just bought Hanna-Barbera so you had the Flintstones and then the Jetsons and then Andy Griffith, Gilligan's Island, Sanford, Sanford and Son and then the Braves game would come on. You remember the whole lineup. Oh, I remember. Lineup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we would just watch it the whole time as soon as we got home and then it might have been a law in Georgia that you had to actually watch it because it was coming out of Atlanta. So it, I don't, yeah, I don't know why we, we just loved the Flintstones and you couldn't really get them on any other other yeah. uh, network. Yeah, it's interesting that actually that's I talk a lot with people who come in here about kind of the way new media is catching on, just the way shows are delivered now. Because mm -hmm. you and I can talk about a lot of the same shows, even though we have a pretty big gap in age, mm -hmm. because. The era of like Turner buying all those libraries and mm -hmm. replaying some of those classic shows. I mean, I grew up with Leave It to Beaver. Yeah, that was still too old for me, but it got rerun on in syndication. Oh yeah, I would watch it on reruns. Yeah, and the Brady Bunch too. Like the Brady Bunch was just like oh, a yeah. little bit uh, ahead of me, but they just played so many reruns like on TBS. Oops, yeah. sorry. So like I, I mean, I, did you read Ted Turner's book? No. It's really fascinating how he is. came across all of those libraries and and how he bought all that, you know, the MGM library. He he right. still own, owns one of the only copies of Wizard of Oz and stuff like that, which is fascinating. Well, that's and, basically how he built that station is just building on the reputation of familiar shows that mm -hmm. he had got the libraries to. It didn't cost him anything, and then eventually they started investing in other the stuff. The most brilliant thing he did, that was Turner time. Everything started at 705, 735. Right. Right. And he said that that was because people were already five minutes uh, past changing the channel. Right. So they were like, I ah, will just leave it here and watch the next thing. And so people just didn't change the channel because they had already missed five minutes of, what other, of whatever other program they had been they were right. wanting to right. watch. So, yeah, it was pretty fascinating. Like, they call it Turner time. And that's what he did. Wait, did. Were there any... I think we... I feel like we talked about this a little bit last time, but did... Were there funny ladies that you were emulating? You weren't really thinking about stand-up when oh, no, you were... I know. I never wanted to be a yeah. stand-up. I didn't even know what it was. And I mean, people used to tell me I wasn't funny, like, my whole life. And what I realized now... Well, maybe now, because you were correcting their goddamn grammar. I know, grammar right? I know, but because uh, I, what I realize now is I was really sarcastic, and I was always making fun of people. Right. So people were laughing, but they were saying, that's not funny, that's not funny. And all I heard was the, the words. I right. didn't. I didn't take in the atmosphere, basically. So, um, I just assumed I wasn't. And even when I was student body president and in high school, my senior year, the guy the year before me did the announcements. And at the end of the announcements, you always got to do like a quote of the day, and he would make it funny. 
And right, so everybody loved this guy, Teddy Sutherland. He was just the best <laughs> oh, my president ever. And so, like, I ran, and I was like, you know, I wanted to bring in, like, I, I was really into journalism. I thought I was going to be a journalist, so I tried to bring in, like, a news station to the school, you know, so we could, like, do reports on, like, different events and stuff like that, not realizing how hard editing was back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally, like, cut and tape, you know? And uh, <laughs> so, um, but anyway... Uh, I just did the announcements normal and just like had like a quote book and just flipped to the next page every day. Like I could care less because <laughs> I wanted to get to class in time. You know, I had AP English first and I so was very that, excited to get So that would have been a great origin story if you had said, <laughs> oh, well, I used to have to make the school announcements and then I'd, I'd start to kind of do a twist on them and people loved them. And no, nothing. No. Wow. Nothing. I could not care. I could care less. And I just wanted to get to class. I was just such a nerd. So I was like, yep, AP English first. I can't be late. And I got to get a good seat. <laughs> you know, and so uh, you know, like, I just didn't care. Nerd. And then when I went to college, uh, I started in journalism. And then when I found out that you had to write the news, you couldn't just read it off a prompter. I was like, oh, I ain't doing this. This is stupid. <laughs> Where did you and think it was coming from? Just, I just thought somebody was writing it, and then yeah. you read it. Um, and, you just wanted to be a news presenter. Yeah, I just wanted to talk. Which, by the way, is camera. pretty much all it is now. <laughs> That's what acting is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> then, um, then I started doing radio in college, um, the news on the radio because that was my major. Uh, but I kept making like a little joke here and there about certain things, like Bill Clinton, you know, or whatever. And mm. they were like, "Sarah, you can't do that. This is the news. It's very serious." Oh, and man. I was like, "Err." Well, I don't want to do it. And then they were like, well, you could do the entertainment news. You can have fun with that. And I was like, oh, all right. So from there, I um, I started doing that. And then my advisors, were, I was like, maybe I should just be more in the entertainment news field. And my advisors had me change to film major so that I could work in entertainment better. And then because I was majoring in film, I could minor in theater which meant I could just take the acting classes. I didn't have to take, like, scene design or whatever. Oh, right. And uh, and that was, like, the first act, real acting class I'd ever taken. I'd been acting in plays since I was five. You know, it was the only reason I used to go to church, because they had an extra play for me to do every year. Um, my parents didn't go. They literally dropped me off and picked me up. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so... I started theater and that's what moved me. And then as soon as I took my first acting class, I was like, I have to do this for the rest of my life. I'm not going to be happy and decided at that moment that I was going to move to L.A. And then after I moved to L.A. So it didn't really kick in until you got here. Uh, just the idea of doing stand yeah. yeah. But because I had always grown up in plays and I had always watched comedies and I used to memorize. My sister would never play with me when she was little, <laughs> when we were little. Uh, she was very, She's very OCD, so she would just play with her cars all day and I didn't know how to do it, even though there was no... In my opinion, there was no... There wasn't really a scheme to There's it. There's not a scheme. But it's in her head, there was. Just city planning and moving cars around. <laughs> but in her mind, it was... I she would was mess building it up. parking lots. Yes, I would mess it up. Oh. So I had to learn to like hang out with myself a lot. And right. I read a lot of books, like The Babysitter's Club, you know, all that. Yeah, but then yeah, I yeah. would also... My parents used to record movies that we rented from the the video store right so we had two vcrs right so my mom would just record every movie that we rented it was the best <laughs> so we had we literally had like a binder it's where you it learned was categorized. piracy that's yeah. great it was categorized you know like oh, oh everything had a number and you look up the movie it was alphabetized so then you look it up and you go oh it's a57 and then you run around the house and find a57 <laughs> and then you're like yes i can watch drop dead fred and so <laughs> i uh yeah i got i just would watch those movies and memorize them and yeah. act the whole thing out 
so that's kind of where like this performance like comedy right. started and I was always best at the comedies in the play they always made me the funny person in the play so like I, I could looking back I see where it came from right but I just never thought it was it was obviously it, it chose me and I I did not choose this field yeah well it also is interesting that you didn't have some sort of kind of standout moment like you didn't have like an Eddie Murphy moment or, uh, you know, so many people have that. It's like, I saw Eddie Murphy raw and yeah. it's just like, I, th- I want to do that. <coughs> yeah. Uh, it, I just, it can't, it came on gradually and it just kind of came on. I mean, obviously all the elements of it, you, you, you didn't like writing the news, but you were a good writer. Yes. Um, you, you recognized that the funny stuff was the thing that made you... Yeah, uh, I was sarcastic yeah. already. It yeah. was very sarcastic. I was very comfortable on stage, especially by myself, because then I didn't have to share the spotlight with no one. <laughs> and I, you know, I got all the credit if I did good, but I was, it was also all my fault if I did wrong. And I really liked that aspect See, that's the it. thing about stand-up that always has freaked me out, is that... I'm way more comfortable in improv, which I've done classes mm-hmm. and done shows and stuff like that. But the idea of stand-up, even just hosting, because I've done a bunch of radio stuff, mm-hmm. but that's fine. There is no pressure on me to actually kind of entertain for any great length of time. Mm-hmm. The idea of stand-up for that very reason of actually having – I get the the wave of adulation that comes over when you make somebody laugh. I get that feeling. Mm-hmm. But the idea that I get to be behind – like in radio, I get to be behind a microphone. I don't have a live audience. I don't need to hear – the good or the bad that way I can just make actually do it for myself to have to deal with the aftermath of something that doesn't work just strikes fear into my soul still I just makes my chest tight so kudos to you for having (laughs) I don't know if it's courage or if it's some sort of uh, what does your therapist say Uh, a need for attention (laughs) oh yeah well that's Uh, all you guys no I mean I think uh, yeah it's just like this thing that comes naturally so why not do it if you're good at it and then you well know. you are good at it i mean i i recognized one of the first things i thought when i saw you the which was i don't know how long you a had, long time ago. yeah i don't know how long you had been in la you were relatively new to town i think and you, you probably had, saw me when i was only like a year or two into stand up i've probably been here like four or five years yeah and, and what was interesting is that i couldn't and this is a good thing i couldn't compare you to anybody and it mm-hmm. kind of makes sense now it's mm-hmm. like you definitely and it wasn't like you were a character but you were specific you were unique and the material was solid but it wasn't like i think that was the thing that struck me it was like i can't say that i've really seen that that material or that kind of person I mean, that, that was what stuck in my head was mm-hmm. like okay this is a this is kind of a new voice i like this and you were already good <laughs> yeah. so it was so I was good at writing jokes early on. That was like the very first joke I ever wrote. I used for like two years, you know. (laughs) So, so that's like a good sign, you know, that I was like on the right path. And, um, uh, but I just, I got, you know, as a comic, I think you evolve. I mean, it's just very much like Jerry Seinfeld said. Like, it takes just as long to become a comedian as it does to become a doctor. It takes like ten years. Right. And then even when you become a doctor. You don't just get to be an awesome doctor, you know. Like you, you have to gather patience and a reputation, and right. like a, so as a you comic, can still be a bad doctor even if you've been doing it for a yeah, long time. Yeah, yeah. Believe so, me, I've totally. had them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you have to gather a reputation as a comic and then develop a following, which is just like what doctors have to do. Well, work ethic is a big deal of, with anybody I talk to in here, and even just I asked you this week via email because you were waiting to find out your. You know the the times you were going up this week, mm-hmm. which is apparently when you're in town. That's something you uh, 
make yourself available for mm-hmm. at every place that will have you. Mm-hmm. And you, I said, so where are you going up? And you sent me a list of like every place in town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because I do know, because I saw you one night, I didn't even know you were, uh, there was a night uh, I went to the comedy store and you were on the lineup that night. You will go, where else will you go? You mentioned, I've seen you you on the bill at the Improv? Are you part Improv, of the Improv Improv, Laugh Factory. Yeah. And then this week uh, is a festival in LA called Riot yeah. LA. So I'm doing the roast battle this week. But the comedy the st- event. Oh, oh, yeah, you've been doing the, the roast main thing. Main event. Yeah, I want to get to the roast thing in a little yeah. bit because that brings all your insults back to uh. <laughs> you know, being put to good use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the comedy store in particular was not that well thought of, like even maybe a year or two ago. It was this kind of dark, ugly place mm-hmm. with a history, and maybe it was because Mitzi mm-hmm. you know, still had her tentacles around it uh but it suddenly got this reputation and and the people that are going in there now and the crowds that's bringing in i mean that energy is way better now than it was right it's It's still the same crusty nasty place right i mean kind of i mean they changed the carpet they just (laughs) got new booths you know what i mean they update they've been updating so much stuff yeah but uh, there's a but there's a vibe i mean the place has that vibe it's 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 got the seven. It's back to where it was in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Like in the seventies, they used to do two shows in the main room on Friday night and Saturday night, and we would never get to do that years ago. Like we, we could we did one. The the comedy store booked one, um, one room in the main one night in the main room on Saturday nights, and if you got that spot, that was like a big deal because there's only what thirteen spots, and that was more money because you get to split the door. Like if you perform in the OR, you still get fifteen dollars. You know what I mean? So in the in the main room, you split the door. So if it's sold out, that's an even bigger check. You yeah, know, yeah. which it never did back in you know when I first started there. But um, a lot's changed, and I and I've seen it. Because I've been there, I've been a paid regular since 2009, but I've been uh, performing there since I started, so 13 years ago, so 2003. So it's just like, it was was always a a tough place for women, which is exactly why I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is the hardest place? Fine. Yeah, I've heard that from others. I've always just challenged myself to be like, I'm not just going to... I, nothing should be easy like right. I, you know and it and it really bothers me when like women in comedy say how hard it is to be a female comic i think it's always it's hard to be a comic in general yeah. uh because you have to self-motivate and you have to write but if you are good and you are a woman it is such an advantage yeah. because there are so few of us well that's it i mean when amy schumer broke over the last couple yeah. of years and and look she's brilliant and she was able to have a venue to kind of i actually think she's better on her sketch show than she is doing stand up. Uh-huh. I think she's, she's brilliant and and the world has been smart. craving that. Like yeah. every year there's like kind of a new and has darling a, has a point comedy. of view too. Yes. I mean it's like a real current and yeah. cogent point of view about yeah. what she wants to do. She's just like not dark. Right. She's witty and she has like quick jokes, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's and uh, a lot of them are about sex and drinking and you know and that's uh that's very empowering to a lot of the younger generation who feels very much like her, you know, and doesn't want to be slut shamed into feeling like they can't be who they are. Right. And um so But you must have got the female comic label enough to notice that you had to push a little harder or work a little harder to kind of get past the idea because there is that sensibility in some people who book clubs or whatever that women have to prove it maybe that they're funny 
Yeah, I mean, I, before even anybody ever sees me, they never expect me to be good, which is to me like you can look at that two ways. You can go, "What an asshole!" You know, I can't believe that they would not think that I'm funny. Or you can go, "Great, they have low expectations." <laughs> and you ever eat something when you're starving? It tastes so much better. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm that delicious meal when you're starving. You have, you do not expect me to be funny. And everyone's like, "Oh, she's cute. This might be good." And then if it's just a little bit better than good, they 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 act like it's the most amazing show they've ever seen because they did not expect it. And I and right now I'm trying to coast in that little field, you know, because no one expects it, and then they're blown away. And that is a great advantageous place. And so I never looked at it as like, "Oh, it's so much harder." I just went, "I'm always the only girl on the show. I'm going to make an, you know, in order." And I'm going to stand out regardless of my material. So let's just make sure it's right. better. Yeah. Oh, you actually, it's funny because I think you have hit a sweet spot here in the last couple of years where there are some really good, funny women, and you're not all the same. I mean, Amy's had her year, but mm-hmm. Whitney's out there working all the time. Yeah, so Whitney is one of my best friends, and she's totally different. You yeah. know, we definitely we talk about a lot of the same things, but I approach things in a very ladylike way. Yeah, and that's where my difference is. I'm like, I feel like I'm still, I'm like the last true lady in comedy. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I'm a virgin, and I'm not, you know, like. Right. And I just bake pies all day. But <laughs> do you bake I would pies, love by the to way? bake pies yeah. all day. Are you good at baking More pies? Cake. I'm better at cake okay, and cookies. And, um, but I'm better at just like chicken and dumplings, honestly. I'm really <laughs> good at that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I do talk about a lot of very uh, tough topics that are highly sexual. But what I'm talking, I'm not saying everybody should do it i'm saying people should not be doing that right right <laughs> because this is this is taking us away from like who we are uh, you know really like i think we've be- become so numb to sex and relationships and just drinking and like being crazy and it's like yeah yeah sure live it up but just so you know if you take me out to dinner that's not going to happen (laughs) i expect you to open my door and i expect you to pay for dinner and in return i treat you with extreme respect like a man like a big strong man as you should be treated how much has your attitude changed since being from 20 somethings to 30 uh, 20 something to 30 something oh it's radically changed really i mean I was always a very uh, independent person because I had to be, you know, I never fit into one particular group. I still don't. How old were you when you came out here? 22. Yeah. Yeah. That that can be overwhelming. Oh, yeah, for sure. From Calhoun, Georgia to L.A., you know, you can talk about all the cliches you want. I also just, like, don't ever, like, to this day, I just don't have a lot of fear in me. I never have. I've never, I've never been worried. I mean, I worry about, like success i don't worry about um getting raped or shot i like traveling by myself like i've no did you travel a lot when you were a kid did you Uh yeah we would travel every summer we went on vacation every summer my parents um you know they never spent money on me and my sister individually they always spent their money on what we did as a family i think that's important because i did the Mm. same thing i mean odessa was in a tiny town but it's not a metropolis by any means but i saw so many big cities mm-hmm. and that when i got to la i recognized how freaking sprawling it was that was a little intimidating because mm-hmm. i ended up be, kind of becoming a big deal at my mm-hmm. high school mm-hmm. and then the moment you're landing in a plane at lax and you're looking out and it goes on for miles i'm like 
oh, I'm not going to mean shit in this town, this am I? even a pond. This I've got to start ocean. all over yeah. again. Yeah, I think it's also just like I remember I was born in California, so we used to come back to California all the time. I mean, I was flying on planes, in, you know, when I was one years old, two years old, you know what I mean? So most of the friends that I had in, in Calhoun had never even been on a plane. Yeah. So, what, tell me just a quick thing about your parents because that informs so much about us. And you said, that, I mean, they're not Southern. Mm-mm. They were dropping you off at church, so they weren't heavily religious. No. Obviously, my parents wouldn't tell me what religion they were. They wanted me to decide. Were they intellectuals? Were they educated? I mean, what was? Their- yeah. Well, my mom uh, has her like associate's degree. My dad has his bachelor's. Um, what they? St- I mean, what was? My their dad field? was a business, and both of them were in business majors or whatever. Um, but my dad's from Michigan, real small town in Michigan, like mm-hmm. real poor town uh, called Monroe. And my mom was born um, in La Mirada, down by Disneyland. Um, and then she was she moved to Northern California right before her dad left. You know, so mm-hmm. like, and then my dad went out there during Vietnam um, because he had an aunt there or something and my his brother went to Vietnam and then he went to college. Mm. So he went to San Jose State and like that's how he kind of stayed out of the war and that's where he met my mom. And um, they'd always just wanted to live in a small town, never really cared for big city life. Yeah. And But it sounds like they were progressive or forward thinking or very much open. so yeah. yeah they're not they're uh, again not for afraid of things like not right. terribly worried you know and just and like um maybe like not the most highly educated but just like very like life educated yeah. i guess like just uh brave and smart and fun yeah and um that's why we always took vacations and they would save up for that they just thought that traveling and seeing the world and meeting people were really important and to this day my mom and dad will not tell me who they vote for like today will not tell me they will not talk to me about church so like that is your decision we trust you okay so in terms just that's that's not being secretive or whatever as if it's none of your business that's just you that's the mark of you being the individual you yeah that's them saying we trust you to do what you want to do uh we're not going to talk about you know, we they don't mind talking about politics. It's not like we're not allowed to talk about politics right. or like any kind of heavy subject. But they just now they just go. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you think that. They could just they could care less because they are th- going to think what they want to think regardless of what I think. But I'm not going to change their mind. That's where the individuality came yeah, from, exactly. and, and the lack of fear. I think yeah. too, obviously. So, so we were always traveling. So when I moved to California, it was just like, yeah, whatever. I've been yeah. here before. I ain't yeah. scared. That's yeah. great. Uh, do you like it? California? I mean, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like it's home well, No now? one loves it, but we like yeah, it. Yeah, that's true, right? <laughs> I, mean, I always say that New York has shirts that say, I love New York, and we have shirts that say, I like L.A. Like, <laughs> like nobody loves it, but we like it, and it's great. I mean, once you get busy, I mean, L.A. is a way better town when you're successful. That's when true. you're grinding and just trying to survive, it is a very tough town town to survive in yeah when you make it over that hump which is basically just not quitting that's how you survive la right um then yeah you do it's you it's it's that old woody allen thing about you know the the shark has to keep moving i mean you literally just kind of have to keep yeah. and, and you have to have especially now and i think in this day and age and that's what i've discovered you have to have multiple balls in the air and they all have to be mm-hmm. going at the same time because if you drop one then you go okay well then i got these other five and maybe i can grab another one absolutely along the way. people always say like well what's your goal in comedy i'm like i'm trying to build an empire here yeah. Yeah. i want to be making money when i do not have to be there 
You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to sell a show. I'm trying. I'm doing my stand up. Stand up is like my favorite thing. That's my thing. That's for me. And you'll never not do that, right? I'll never not do that, right? You're one of those. But I'm also not <laughs> the same as everybody else. Like I'm not going to be. I'm never going to be that comic that puts out an album every year. Right. I'm not a band. It takes me a long time to hone material that I think is worthy of people paying money for. Right. And so I am very careful about releasing material. I mean, I haven't put out an album in five years and I plan on putting one out coming up, but that's because I feel like it takes a, like it can't, like most people's album, first albums are the best because they have been working on those albums for 10 years. Right. <laughs> right. Know? And then you have to come up with another and one, then a year one later, in a year that's like, as good as that. No, yeah. no, no, no. And like, you know, obviously people get help and, and I definitely, you know, write with a lot of my friends and we help each other with our writing, but you know, for me, everything now is so personal. In my 20s, I was like constantly in relationships. But now in my 30s, I'm not. I haven't been at all. And it's been great. It's like being in my 20s now. I feel like I'm in my 20s now. Really? Yeah, because Why? I just feel so like loose you and free and like could care less about. Because you just got yourself attached to, to people because you felt like that, that was, was what, what I was supposed, supposed to do. To do as a it also girl. gave you material. <laughs> yes, maybe a little bit. Yeah. What it did is make me, um, I was uh, pretty, up, you know, sad in those relationships. Yeah. So I, it made me get out of the house and do stuff. Well, being such an individual and being somebody who seemed to be comfortable. Uh, being okay being alone why do you think you gravitated to having to be with somebody oh out of um a fear and like the thought that i needed to be i was supposed to be that Mm -hmm. there was something wrong with me if i didn't have a boyfriend i mean i grew up we had a daycare in my high school like a lot of my friends got married at 19 like i was really the oddball Mm -hmm. and then i moved to la where I, it was weirder that I had a boyfriend, right. you know what I mean? So, um, well, I that's just that a, traditional part of yeah. you, maybe that you were just talking about that you kind of tend to go back to, you know, bacon pies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was, there is a Georgia part of you that's just kind of like, this is what you do at a certain age. And, and yeah. you've, again, part of your act, which is everybody back home is kind of all married and at, yeah. with like 19, you know, yeah. right out of high school, they had their high school. What I had to do was just find that balance. What yeah. I had to do, like where I am right now, I'm the happiest I've ever been been i'm the most successful i've ever been yeah well i was gonna say wasn't this past year maybe the the year of sarah i mean it was the year of yeah i mean can we list it off i mean i i'm (laughs) for for, i mean the thing that i first began to notice was that i I was sitting there rooting for you watching you on at midnight it was Mm -hmm. such a perfect vehicle for you and Mm -hmm. you've you've fared well and they had you on what three times i've been on like three yeah and that's a great showcase Mm -hmm. for people who obviously there's writing involved but it's a little on your feet and and um and it's not stand up i mean it's really not no but it's just a showcase of joke writing yes which is uh i'm like a joke machine like i write every day not for myself i write like i send in jokes to different late night shows and you know and uh certain sketch shows on NBC and you know like I I can't like I, that's how I keep my brain like that's a muscle you have yeah, to work right. that muscle so and because I also have like lots of roast jokes because I write for a lot of corporate roasts that my uh, friends host and then they 
pay me to help them right, write jokes because right. they don't know what they're doing. And uh, and so yeah, so I'm I feel like I'm always working on something that takes a lot of jokes. Even like talking head shows, you know, like when you right. go on then those, you get the commentary. Going. Yeah, then I get like a list of things, um, topics, and then I go in and I write and write and write and write, right. and I always come in over prepared, and then they have plenty. <laughs> To choose from. That's great. Yeah. Well, it was at midnight, I think, that made me think, oh, okay, here's finally somebody recognizing Sarah as something other than just a stand-up. Yeah. Because it really takes more than that. And then you had these kind of odd things that kept popping up on social media. Like, I mean, we have to talk about <laughs> freaking Aretha Franklin. Oh, I know. Yeah. Opening. You opened for Aretha Franklin. <laughs> yeah. And when you posted that, I'm like... Well, that's just, I mean, it's open, so weird. opening for Brad Paisley kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and Brad is funny and he likes funny people. Yes. And I think that audience is maybe more open to it because of, you know, the blue collar tour. And I mean, yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, that kind of fit. But when I saw Sarah Tiana opening for Aretha Franklin at this, was it Santa Barbara Santa Bowl? Santa Barbara Bowl, yeah. Just, Which is just, also, give us, just paint us a picture a little bit. Um, well, I mean, I got the phone call and... Uh, I was shocked, you know, because I'm like, well, that's uh, that sounds amazing, but like I had no idea that. How she much was notice did you get? A night, the night before. <laughs> yeah, so which means, you know, I, and I, either someone canceled or uh, they uh, just weren't prepared, yeah. and um, yeah. So I was like, oh my god, I had no idea that she even liked me or my comedy, and they're like, oh, she has no idea who you are. Uh, <laughs> They she told just, you up front. Yeah, they were like, she, they were, she just doesn't like to pay bands, and you're way cheaper. And I was like, oh, respect, you know? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I went out, and uh, I realized, you know, there's 4,500 people. And it's Santa Barbara, so it ain't, like, multicultural, ain't really diverse. No, uh, you know exactly what your audience is It's not a lot of... Thirty-year-olds, right? You know? <laughs> right. So I walk out, and is I is that realize, the biggest crowd you had been in front no, of? No, because the point? Hollywood Bowl was seventeen thousand. That was, and that was Brad. That was Brad. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I think that's honestly why I got the call because it came from the same producers that did those two shows. Okay. So they're like, "Oh, Sarah's an amphitheater comic. <laughs> I think she can do this, and she'll be willing to do it for no money." <laughs> and uh, and I was like, "Yeah, totally." Because I, I am. for me, I I will perform anywhere as long as it doesn't cost me money. It you know? doesn't intimidate you. Not at all. No. no, it's actually just a challenge, and it's fun, and it's a cool story. You really are the no fear. Gal. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried. And, yeah. and even if it goes awful, like I, I feel like I'm good enough now. It's, and that's what the comedy stores taught me, like how to deal with every single possible right. situation. Yeah, because you've ever, seen it all there, right? Yeah, I mean, I started getting booed at the end of my set in front of every because you know I walk out. I'm doing 25 minutes, by the way, which is a really long time in front of people for, who for Aretha have no idea that a comedian is coming out and yeah. they're expecting to see Aretha Franklin. <laughs> and then here comes me, like ding 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 ding, bopping out. You know, little white girl from the south. You well, know, like, hey y'all. Yeah, she's gonna do three cute no, songs the and then first, yeah. yeah, for the first five minutes, they're like, why is Aretha white and not singing? <laughs> this is the worst concert ever. And um. So I like make it through it. Like people are laughing and they're having a good time. And then like I start, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. But uh, and then people in the front are like, do it, you know? Like they're just craving something because it wasn't terribly clean. It was a little edgy, right? And uh, and so I start doing it as a, uh, it was a um a bit. I think it was on um like pictures that you get on your phone, like genital pictures. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, you can so, say dick pics. Oh, I can't. I don't oh, know what. You can I, say anything uh, you yeah, want. Okay, so I was about dick pics, and I'm you know talking about them, and this guy. Somewhere in the middle, I couldn't even find him. He just starts going, boo, boo, 
it like real, like 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 not even like boo, like like saying the word boo, almost like um, at Halloween how you would say it if you were shouting it like a ghost. Yeah, like you came out from behind yeah, yeah, a corner yeah. or something. And so I ignore it for a second, and then and now everyone's noticing. So. I finally go, oh, my God, we get it. You need attention. You know what I mean? Like, he's just mad because his dick won't go up that high to take a picture of. <laughs> or he can't find it to take a picture of. You know, everyone's laughing. And then I'm, and he's still saying boo. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty. That's real brave, sir. Just screaming the word boo from the middle of an audience where no one can see you. You know, I'm like, the reason that you're doing that is because you don't have the balls to get up here and do what I do. So instead, you'd rather shout at a woman from the dark. So good for you. You're super brave. And then everyone's like, ah, you know, like just so crazy, like so happy. And then I just finished that bit and walked out. And it was fine. You know, I had a lot of people follow me from that on Twitter. And like I had people coming up to me all night because I went to the crowd to watch the show a little bit. I have a whole bit about the the. Uh, it's like a, a story in my act now, with yeah. for, with Aretha. Yeah, yeah, because it, she was just like such a diva. It yeah, was crazy. That's, I mean, uh, she's earned it, but she still she she a human. Like you got to act a little <laughs> human a little bit. You got to act like a human, not a fucking bitch all the time. Uh, I mean, it was like, oh, yeah. That's t- I mean, th- there are legendary stories about stand up comics opening for rock bands and mm-hmm. stuff because there was no comedy scene. Like, I forget yeah. who. I mean, he, Steve oh, Martin. Oh, Kinnison used to open oh, up yeah, for yeah. like um, uh, a bunch of like like heavy metal bands yeah. and stuff like that. Like, yeah. It made it sense. The, it was the only venue. I mean, it, a lot of those guys, Carlin was th- doing that, and Steve Martin's, you know, born mm-hmm. standing up, it talks a lot about that because they just didn't have the comedy scene. So it was him yeah. and a bunch of musicians. Yeah, no. I mean, Brad still wants to do that. He wants to, like, uh, take me and John Reap with him on the road when he does a tour and then like after the show we go to like a comedy club and he plays like songs he can't play at the stadium uh, like even funnier songs and uh, and then we do jokes and we just all have a good time That's so great. I hope that that happens eventually um, I don't know I mean he's you know he's busy yeah <laughs> stuff going on but i you know yeah so i like la but I, i'm thinking about i really like to move to nashville i'm trying to sell a show really? in nashville if i could sell that there then i'm out well that's the other part of the year of sarah was uh, the cmt show right yeah i wrote you... on josh wolf's show on cmt and i was on that once yeah. a week uh and what, then what other big stuff happened i did the year? cma awards red carpet oh, God, which was really right. cool and i what i didn't realize is when i was there i kept getting recognized by all these artists and i didn't recognize them and i, I was like what how do people know me? And then I realized that, like, basically for the first 10 years of my stand-up career, I was performing in Nashville once a year, but I was always performing at my friend John Rich's house. Because John a has, like, rich. a big, big stage at his house, like, 250-seat bar, you know, and it's, like, the biggest party place in Nashville. And, and, and he's discovered so many artists. He's an extremely prolific songwriter. He's probably written over 1,800 songs at this point. He always wins ASCAP Writer of the Year and, like, Basically, you know, huge hit songs. He used to be in the band Lone Star. So, like, everybody was... I mean, the last time I was at his birthday party, you have Cinderella there, and then you have um, <laughs> Little John, and then you have, um, you know, Frankie... Uh, Frank, um, the guy that lived with Merle Haggard for, like, 14 years. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But, like, this, like, broad range yeah, of yeah. artists. And so all of these people have seen me perform at his house throughout the years and while they've been performing there. And then they start making it, and then I start making it, and now we run into each other on the red carpet. It was fascinating. I was like, okay, I have to move here because now I, I actually do know a lot of people Nashville, here. Nashville makes sense for you. It, it does. makes sense, yeah. Plus, my parents are only two hours away. so And they've got a good comedy scene there, right? I mean, they've got they a, a good great, club. Yeah, they have a good club.
club, but it's more just like um, uh, it's very it's central. It's just a circuit, right? I yeah, mean, it's, it's very just, central. Yeah. It's two hours from New York and three and a half from L.A. So, you know, I'm always on the road almost right. every weekend. So it just it doesn't really matter where I live. Or you that. are too. That's the other thing is that I don't know exactly what to plug because I don't. Uh, you're uh, the, <laughs> yeah. here's my favorite though, <laughs> and because it just sounds miserable to me. Oh no! But I'm so glad that you're going to be doing it. You're basically going to be living at the Mall of America <laughs> yeah, in Minnesota, in Minnesota <laughs> for like, you're doing a residency there, it mm-hmm. looks like. It, it go, it, you have to scroll down your shows page for like, uh, you know, yeah, half the I thing. I think I do seven or eight shows there. Yeah. yeah. Have, you've uh, done that? House of Comedy. Done I've that done that before. before. Yeah. It's actually a I'm beautiful sure club. it's very nice. At, you know, the mall, like the hotel is in the mall too. Yeah. So, so you never you have to leave. don't really have to leave. There's tons of stuff to do. It's kind of like the old Opryland Hotel in Nashville, yeah. which I would, there were so many conventions I had to go there. You never actually needed to breathe fresh air for like Mm-mm. 20 days. I mean, I will because I like to go. The last time I was there actually was in August and I, and that's when the, um, the Minnesota State Fair was going on. So I got to go to that, which is like one of the biggest and best fairs in America. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and then I went out to Lake Minnetonka. It was like pretty cool. Yeah. Where Tonka Toy started. I, I just, I want to know who's booking you though, because it's Minnesota in February <laughs> and then you've got Canada in February. Edmonton, yeah. <laughs> and, and DC. Like it's like all the coldest Utah. places. No, yeah, right. Salt Lake. Yeah. Um, well, I just found out I'm going to Melbourne at the end of March. So that'll be nice. I've never been to Australia. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's I'm great. very excited. I try to go to two new countries a year, and uh, it always helps when you get booked there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I am. I'm going oh, to Oh, they're going to love you in freaking yeah. Australia. Yeah, I'm going to be there for two weeks. Oh, that's great. A long time, yeah. So you got good things going on. Yeah, I got a lot of good things so going on. So show in Nashville you're pitching that you think mm-hmm. might come together. You know, it's just like uh, everyone I've told about, you know, like loves it. It's like the favorite thing that I've ever pitched them, but... You know how this town works. Yeah. It's hurry up and wait. And so um, I, I, you know, I'm not counting on it, but I do think it's a brilliant idea and I will make it work eventually. And uh, yeah, so I'm pitching that, pitching two other shows actually, and then writing a lot of roast jokes. Yeah. You've become the roast mistress. Roastess with the mostest. It, it all goes back to that. Uh, I insulted people and they told mm-hmm. me they were laughing and they told they me told that's me not funny. they told me I wasn't funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you got over that and you realized, oh yeah, it turns out it actually is funny. Yeah. Because the stuff you have up on your website right now is like, that's some mean shit, mm-hmm. Sarah. That is but really... it comes from my sweet face, so nobody really gets upset. <laughs> of course. And you know what? Honestly. I'm sorry, what? Where does it come from? My sweet, sweet face. Uh-huh. But the thing is, too, like people go like, oh, do you get hurt when someone says a joke about you? And I'm like, only if it's not funny. Like, if it's funny, I'm not hurt. I'm jealous I didn't write it. Right. You know? And uh, so to me... It's easy to be insulted when somebody means it and doesn't say anything Yeah, when you're not doing it on a platform. Like, to me, the nicest thing I could ever do for you is roast you. Because that means I've spent weeks thinking about you, writing about you, making sure that I'm doing things that you will love but also respect yeah. and not because you actually up. looked into what my life is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah and you've I dug also, into me I'm, a little bit. And I'm never going to roast somebody that I don't know. Yeah, because um, then it just becomes mean because I don't really know you. And uh, uh, you know, so there, when I know you, I know what not to say. Yeah, you, you know? had a big part in the Bieber roast, right? The, I did uh, the, the red pre- carpet, the pre-show yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, it was my first solo writing credit too. That's pretty cool. Was that last year as well, or uh-huh. year before? Yeah, yeah that so was that was last kind year. of a string of these cool things that very you cool things up. nonstop wow. happening. So, what uh, give me give me the mechanism, the the schematic, the blueprint of 
the way to approach a great roast joke? I mean, is there a formula? Is it like... Uh, I think a big part of it, what people forget to do is the setup. Sometimes people just do like one line, like you look like Kermit the Frog with AIDS or whatever. And I'm like, eh, that's fine. But like, I prefer a joke that takes, that kind of marinates, you know, um, that, you know, everybody knows that, you know... Ralphie May is like one of my favorite comics and he's such an amazing guy, you know, and his kids are just little angels, you know, like they're, they're kind of, they remind me a lot of Jesus because I don't know how they were created either. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. So you take that long moment at the top right. by building up the sweetness. Then when you say the main thing, it comes so much sharper. It's a bigger, sharper right. turn. And I, and I think also, um, using topical things are really important, you know, like when I roasted Ralphie May, it was like right after Robin Williams died, so I made sure to bring that up. Oh, you know? oh good. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Well, I was just, I, I compared him and I said, you know, I just don't want to lose you. We've lost so many amazing comics lately, and I don't want you to go out like Robin Williams. And I guess you won't, because if there's one thing you don't have in your house, it's a belt. But, you know, like, so... What I'm saying is I miss Robin Williams and I don't want Ralphie to go. And then I'm just making another pure analogy. Yeah. Like if you look at the joke, it sounds mean, but it, it's and it's really heart, heart. It's not mean. It's very smart. And well, it just takes a turn. That's where your your pal Jeffrey Ross uh, is mm-hmm. able to brilliantly make it happen. Because yeah. he, everyone he does is kind of perfectly, beautifully, smartly crafted. Right. Like you can't be mad at something that's just kind of that brilliant. No, and he's also laughing at himself yes. the whole time. When people make fun of him, he's enjoying himself. I mean, that's where I learned everything. I learned everything from Jeff, and and uh, it's been an honor to work with him as long as I have. Yeah. And I've learned just so much about how to not just write a joke, how to take a joke, Right, right. which I think is just as important. I think uh, for me, and I, I hope he wrote it, but to me... Um, I will never forget this line. Uh, <laughs> Drew Carey is to comedy what Mariah Carey is to comedy. That's, that's so freaking simple, but that's the most beautiful joke was of all Was that a Trump time. roast? That was, no, that was a Drew Carey roast from years ago. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I didn't did. start until the Charlie Sheen roast. That was like the first one. <laughs> and I wrote the very first joke he said, which was like the biggest honor ever. What, what, what? Uh, friends, roasters, enablers, lend Mike Tyson your ears. <laughs> Very nice. Yes. That's pretty cool. Um, Anything else you want to plug that's worth plugging that's in the near future, even though this is a nebulous uh, uh, posting time? It's uh, something we should watch you for? Watch for you? Watch out for you? I mean, all my dates are on my website, um, sarahtiana.com. There you go. And you can uh, buy Calhoun Y'all shirts on there, which is pretty fun. <laughs> uh, that's a new addition. And uh, and then... Um, and if, if you're ever wondering what to get Sarah Tiana, Waffle House gear is the mm-hmm. way to go. It is obviously. the way to go. You can send it to the Comedy Store in L.A. <laughs> I pick up... A lot of people send me stuff there, and that's where I pick it up so that I don't tell you my home address. <laughs> and uh, um, But yeah, on Twitter, I post my local show. So if people are listening to this in L.A., like Twitter is where you'll see like where I'll be in Los Angeles. And that's at Sarah Tiana. I'm trying to develop that kind of James Lipton style, you know, final questions kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. so you're kind of 
the test market for this. I haven't done this a lot yet. So, okay. uh, but there are things that I care about. I'm not going to ask the same questions he would ask you, like favorite curse word or stuff like that. But I do want to. There are some things I care good, about. Good, like because I don't have one. They're all my favorite. Yeah, you love that. <laughs> you, you you treat them. I love them all. like your own special children yeah. coming out of that sweet sweet face. Sweet sweet mouth. Uh, what uh, favorite movie all time? Top Gun. Wow, that came right off. the... Yeah, my dog's name is Lieutenant Pete Mitchell, but I call him Maverick. <laughs> Are you in any way excited about Top Gun 2 that they're working on, or is that just going to just not? I don't know. I'm nervous. I mean, I'm, I'll definitely watch it, yeah. and uh, I hope some of the same people are in there. Yeah. I hope. Well, Tom's in it. Tom Cruise is in it, I yeah. know, but I still want, you know, like, Lieutenant Mike Metcalf, Viper. You know, <laughs> like, I want him in there. I, want, I still want Val Kilmer in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, uh, what's the go-to karaoke song for you? Uh, nine to five from Dolly Parton. Of course it is. Uh-huh. She's oh my, my god, she's also the funniest lady ever. And by the way, you should be in the remake if they ever reboot oh that. That's that's <sighs> your part. I agree. I'm talking. All right, uh, pineapple on pizza? Uh, yes or no? No. Okay. It's a travesty of it is. It's a it's, it's a, like raisins and cookies. No. Yeah. If you Stop believed it. in God, it would be a travesty against mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the most famous person you met that kind of freaked you out? Oh, that freaked me out. Or who maybe, or maybe just the most famous person you ever Matthew met. Matthew Stafford. I mean, it's not the most famous, but the only person I've ever met that I was like so nervous about was Matthew Stafford. He used to be the quarterback at UGA when um, during their best years, and now he plays for the Detroit Lions. Right. And I saw him at the ESPYS. And you know, I, I meet a lot of actors and musicians, and I, I don't know why, it just like doesn't phase me. But when I meet an athlete, I'm like, oh, you have talent, like real talent. <laughs> yeah. It's tangible. Like I can see it. Like, well, we all have our it things. Makes sense. I've met so many famous people, but yeah. I've only really been tongue-tied around people that, like, you know, I can remember having the most inane conversation. Admittedly, I was young, but it was Steven Spielberg, and mm-hmm. he was just, like, my hero at the time. Yeah. But I've met so many musicians and stuff since then, I've never really had that problem. But Mm-mm. it's it's the people that you kind of... It's dangerous to meet because you just want them to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Exactly. Exactly. You you mentioned topical stuff in writing the roast. You don't do a ton of political stuff. You don't kind of dip in that well that often. But do you have a take on – I mean, we got an election cycle going on, and mm-hmm. it's just a freaking circus. I mean, on both sides, really. I mean, obviously, the Trump thing is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, but Bernie Sanders is his own kind of – I love that weird... he's just on his own path. I yeah. mean, I love – obviously, I love Hillary because she's – a very empowering woman. She's done a lot for us uh, in society. I mean, I don't even... But you don't broach that when you get No, on. I don't really talk about that. I talk about, like, topic of things like gun violence. Yeah. I do talk about that. Um, I'm going because... to say you... I'm going to guess you're against it? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, well, I just say... I just... I, I'm more talking about, like, how women aren't the ones committing these mass murders, and maybe that's something that we need to notice. You know, but that's also because we would never leave a mess for someone else to clean up. Like that's just so rude. Um, but you know what I mean. Like so that's <laughs> so that's kind of how I attack. I, like all I want in my act is for people to at least ask a different question mm-hmm. um, when they leave. Just you know, it's not necess- I'm not trying to change your mind about sex or politics or guns or anything. I just want you to just ask questions. Like to me, that's like the greatest thing about being an American is that we have freedom of speech and that speech should involve questions, not just, you know, regurgitation. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we actually talked about stuff as opposed to just picked a side and then yeah. stuck to that side? Yeah. Like I have no problem. Like I try to never, um, 
say I know who I'm going to vote for. I don't go like, oh, just Democrat or oh, just Republican because I I really want to be open. But to me, like right now, it's just a little too early to, you know, they start these elections so early and it's just such a a money racket, fundraising thing. I'm in full apathetic mode Yeah, I mean, talk to me and, you know, was it February when we make the nomination or March? I don't even know. June. Might even be June. Yeah, we'll find out. (laughs) It's been way too much. I'll get the thing in the mail. I'm, I'm way more passionate about whether uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens was an appropriate <laughs> sequel or not, that I have I have very very strong opinions. I'm way about more that. excited about Top Gun two coming out. <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> and my final question, just to try and stay true to the uh, to the name of the podcast, and I can't believe I've never done this before, but uh, have you uh, have you ever or would you ever consider working with a monkey? Yeah, that'd be awesome. You've never done it though. No. Okay. I never worked with one. I've met them. <laughs> Morocco. Met? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're just been like everywhere. Yeah. Sarah. Mm-hmm. This, this is right. this is Chi Chi, <laughs> and he uh, he's a big fan of your necklace, and he stole like the crackers out of my pocket. Yeah. But what you know? Yeah. Like, yeah and, that's the only time now I ever. He would like to give you his poop. Held one. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Good. So how do you like my questions? I'm working. It's a work in progress. I like those questions. It's a work in progress. All right. Maybe I should turn to somebody who's a real writer. No. Uh, I think you should lead with the monkey one. (laughs) All right. Well, if you end up uh, picking up and moving to Nashville, we'll have to talk again, and uh, uh, or I'll just come out there. Yeah, I would love that. uh, uh, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. It's weird how how, paternal I feel about you, because I feel like I, I caught you in this kind of little you know, prepubescent mm-hmm. uh, spurt of growth. And it's been so, I just, I get such a thrill out of seeing you pop up on my TV and killing. <laughs> Thank and you. It means, it, uh, yeah, yeah. You've been watching me from the beginning. So you've seen how much of a change it's been, you know, but it's just been a gradual steady. But, but you always had it. But you always had it. And now you're just showing everybody. And it, just, <laughs> it just makes me really happy. Thank so, you. Yeah, Thanks for coming in. Like... Get a monkey get a monkey this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.